All right, we're back at Jambox Entertainment Studios. I'm here with my man, Lee Evans. Uh, Lee, I love you, man. How you doing? Good afternoon, my man. What's up, Danny D? You are the man. You know it's what? Day. It's crazy that I didn't know last time we were here and after we recorded, you told me you got a gold album for rapping. Oh, no, not, not for rapping. Oh, who's, not, what was the gold not, album for? No, the gold album is for a group in, back in the 80s, Africa Bambada and the Soul Sonic Force. Okay. <laughs> and they had a record called Planet Rock, which was one of the biggest rap records of the 80s. Okay. So I got the gold album actually for um, soundtrack for a sound, a movie called uh-huh. Beat Street. Okay. You know, which, you know, I wrote about three or four songs that were in the movie. But me, I'm the music guy, you know, so, um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I got to listen yeah. to that song, though. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it. it's dope, it's dope, man. All right, so listen, you know, we have a new guest here today, and, um, you know, before we got started, first of all, I'm crazy about her. Uh, She's been my friend, I want to say, the last, like, six or seven years, and, you know, we were just talking a little bit about the season, and, you know, how it came to be and you know why it's coming into fruition in the way it was and i was telling her that it's just a whole new relationship that gets started and it's really just a beautiful thing and the person that i have here for you today she's very special um probably one of the coolest people i know i think one of the things that stuck out to me most when i first started to get to know her and she's also in the real estate business that I just remember she has this innate ability to make anyone she's around make feel comfortable. She makes the process of what she's doing fun. She makes you feel like you're the most important person in the room, and she just makes you want to have a good time. And I'm just so crazy about her. She's very open. She's very honest. Um, I think she's very sensitive, and she covers it really well. Uh, but also you have to be really smart and you have to be shrewd when you're doing business in Manhattan. There's only so much you want to share and there's only so many people you want to show that side of you to. So you really have to trust somebody to be able to do that, especially in New York. Uh, so I'm just going to go ahead and introduce her because I really want to get in here. I don't know if she's short on time or not, but, um, I was really floored when she agreed to coming here. Um, and I just want to get into this. So, Sheree Hinson, welcome to the Nasty Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate you bringing me into the studio to talk to you today. And I'm really excited to be a part of this this whole podcast that really is a role model for your daughters and that shows special love, especially, you know, Aquarius, February, January, this whole time frame, you know, that, that you're dedicating to your daughters, I think is really, really loving and really special and really beautiful. Thank you so much. I am so excited. Ever since she said, Lee, that she was going to be coming in here today. I was just amped up. So the and times you've been talking about it for about almost a week now. For I've, last week you've been talking about it. I know. I'm I'm just very excited about it. So let's just jump in here. Just so you guys know, the way me and Cherie met, and you know, you can jump in on this also, was I remember I was showing a rental property on Broadway in Greenwich Village. You came in, you had a client. I think we just hit it off. There was chemistry like immediately, like the way we were showing and the way we were selling and telling. And um and then I think from there everything grew. But I yeah. mean, how did, how did you see it? I remember it. it was just really funny. Somehow somebody mentioned Ohio, and and you said, "Wait, I went to college in Ohio," and I said, "Wait, I was born in Ohio." And then the the rental client um, um, was an attorney from Ohio. So <laughs> it, all of a sudden, you know, we were having a big O H I O moment. Um, 
in New York City in Manhattan uh, in a really cool rental apartment. And then later I went on to like work with you like yeah. at the same company for a really long time. I know. And it was such a Small blast. World. It really is because I really I think there were so many times that like we were working together and also times where we would just like hook up and meet with each other's clients and just all have fun together. I think we've always had that mentality of like making sure that our work was fun. And I think that people that were surrounded by us also felt the same way by our presence together. What do you think? I definitely think so. I remember some fun steak dinners and some different hangouts that were always so good and so easy. But I think that, you know, that's important. You know, who you surround yourself and who you spend most of your time with, even at work. I mean, it should be fun and it should be upbeat and it should be warm people that you trust and care about. Yeah, you know, I remember uh, watching you work and I and all the deals that you've done, I always just stood by my, you know, just by the sideline, just in awe, because I was always just like, wow, she really knows what she's doing. And you had so many attributes that I found so admirable and so many things that I wanted to adopt and emulate in my business, because I just, I don't know, there was something about you, you just have this instinct when it comes to real estate, when it comes to doing business, and I just love it, and there was just so much to learn from you every time I was with you, and I genuinely mean that, and I always tell you that I think you're the best broker in New York. I really genuinely feel that way. You're really, oh really, my God. really special. <laughs> That's so sweet. You're too much. Um, I do love what I do. I've been doing it for 20 years, so it's kind of crazy that a couple decades have flown by this quickly. Um, I think it was accident by chance. I mean, I always thought I was going to go to law school. And uh, truthfully, I couldn't get a job waiting tables in New York City. And I applied to like a Village Voice ad and and ended up getting my real estate license and never went to law school and never looked back, you know, over 20 some years ago. Um, But I love what I do. And I feel like I wake up every day lucky to say like, you know, I'm just going to hit the street into the city, into Manhattan, like one of the coolest, you know, concrete jungles in the world. And what what nosy girl doesn't want to see inside your beautiful apartment? (laughs) (laughs) I swear to God, I've never seen anyone say no to her. And if anyone even tried to say no to her, immediately the the reaction. Okay, I'll do it. Yes. So that's really cool about her. You know, um, I have a quick question for you. When you says uh, you couldn't get a job waiting tables, was that literally? Or I mean yes? that literally. <laughs> uh, I came here. I went to Florida Atlantic University in Boca. Um, I came here with some some sorority sisters from like Westchester, and we thought we would do this kind of like you know swap where we would you know rent out this you know college apartment for the summer and we would wait tables and have some fun and I literally got here and I didn't have like a lot of like experience like these girls from Manhattan and Westchester had like waiting tables and it was like rejection after rejection and I went um, to apply in person um, at 225 West 57th for Jerry Weinstein's Manhattan Apartments. And it said, like, can you talk to anybody? Can you get through the front door? Can you this and that? And I went into this huge open loft on the seventh floor of Manhattan Apartments. And it was a huge rental brokerage at the time. And and I remember, like, this broker, Agina, who was really amazing, talking on the telephone and, like, typing and doing all these things and kind of talking to me in third person and basically gave me this slip to go out to Queens if I could figure out where the heck that was, she said, yeah. um, and get my real estate license. And I really couldn't literally get a job waiting tables. And so I became a real estate agent and and then loved it so much, um, came back the next following summer to do it again um, and again and then didn't go to law school that was not an easy conversation when I told my parents that uh, I was just gonna be a real estate broker full-time forever 
Um, but yeah, I mean that literally. Um, wow. Who knows? I that, guess I would have yeah. been a waitress instead. I guess it was just meant to be, right? I think it was definitely fate. And it Let was me ask you a question. Um, how did you take your business to the level of, you know, like I feel like you really deal with like high-end buyers. Like you deal with very high luxury buyers now. And, you know, for some of us, it takes a lot of time. Like for me, it started with rentals, then it got into sales, then it got into, you know, serving like one to three million. And little by little, as I've been doing it, it's been growing. And, you know, I've been getting, you know, stronger clientele, wealthier clientele. Um, How did it work for you? I feel like you are like one of the most connected people in Manhattan. I feel like you have a lot of resources. I feel like you have so many uh, great opportunities around you. How is it that you're creating that? And how is it that you got yourself into this position where you're dealing with high net worth individuals? I mean, I think you're just going to take it day by day and to break it down into small, like simple practice. Um, It reminds me of something. I know this sounds old school, so a lot of you might out there might not know what I'm talking about. But when we used to go on vacation, we used to get a trip ticket at AAA. And a trip ticket from AAA is just like a map to tell you like where construction is and how to get from point A to point B. But there's an important principle there. Like kind of if you don't know where you're going, how are you gonna get there? So I think it's so important for you to break it down into small things like what do I want for myself? What do I want? Do I just wanna focus on having that one new development building? Do I just want to focus on selling in a particular area? Do I want to really sell that luxury real estate? You know, you have to break it down little by little and start with a goal in order to get there. But if you don't know where you're going, how are you going to get there? So I think my best advice to anybody is just break it down slowly and calmly and step by step. I mean, it, it didn't happen overnight for me. But I knew where I wanted to go, and I worked really hard to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that has to do with branding. I think that has to do with the company you work for. I think that has to do with how you're advertising. And I think it has to do with when you get that one client at maybe, let's just say, a five or six million dollar level, you know, penetrating their network, you know, finding out what you're going to do with them to get their corporate relocation account, or how you're going to get their boss, or who they know that you're going to sell. Right. But I feel like you know you're gifted, and this is the way I want you know, people to understand who you are. You're gifted in the way where you know how to penetrate those individuals and to learn about their context. But there's a gift that you have that that school can't teach. You have this ability of connecting with people, making them fall in love with you, and basically begging you to take their business. Like, you're not the type of person where you're just like, like, I understand, like, you'll ask for help. I ask for help. That's part of my business. That's part of our business. It's important to be able to say, can you help me? I think I use that That's my favorite line that I actually use. But I feel like you really have this ability where people are just like, I just, I want, I want to send her business. I want to give it to her. I want to be liked by her. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like this is something that's very special about you that this is what I want my listeners to understand about you. It's not about the successes. It's not about the sales. It's not about, you know, what you're wearing, where you're going. It's really about your mentality and it's really about who you are. Cause I think that you, have this ability of just also operating under like extreme chaos. Like I feel like you have so much going on in your schedule on any given day. I feel like, you know, you have Andrew, you have the three kids, you you know, you have the condo, you, you have a business to run. There's so much going on in your life on a day-to-day basis. And the way you carry yourself with like such ease and such calmness under like such, I think, distress, like for me, like I would be bugging out a little bit to be honest with you. Like, how do you do that? Like, what is it that's inside of you? It's almost as if you have this like angel that's like inside of your mind saying, it's all going to be okay. It's all going to be all right. You're going to get all of this done. But but what is it? 
I mean, I think it's important just to have like drive and like know where you're going and feel good about yourself. Do on to others as you would wish people to do on to you. I think like you have to look people in the eye, shake their hand and treat them the way you would want to be treated. Um, I also think that you can't be scared to talk to people, whether it's knocking on the neighbor's door of the listing you have or picking up the newspaper that's on the ground in your lobby and putting it in the recycling and talking to your neighbor along the way. Um, I think talking to every single person, you know, whether it's the super of the building, the doorman of the building, the neighbor of the building, and the people, you know, addressing people and treating people as humans, I think we all forget that on a day-to-day basis. Like, if you took two things today that you could do differently to just make somebody that one moment to say, hey, I really like your shoes, or like, hey, thanks for thanks for opening the door for me. That was really kind. You know, I think taking those moments, you know, just to be human, just to think about ourselves and treating people how you want to be treated is important. And I think also we all have negative things that happen to us. And I think that it's important to, to realize that negativity breeds negativity and to let go of some of that. Do two nice things when somebody does one wrong thing. It's much harder to forgive somebody who didn't say sorry to you than it is to somebody who did. Right. So – let me ask you this. If something that we perceived as bad happened to you or uh, you felt like you lost someone or something happened that, you know, the typical person would feel down about, maybe depressed about for a little bit, how do you, Cherie, what do you say to yourself or, or to, to move away from it, to let it go and to just, you know, keep the eye on the ball for yourself? I think whatever doesn't kill me makes me stronger. I think that we all have trauma. I think that if you dig deep, no matter how great your life was or how awful your life was, we've all had experiences that maybe we wish that we didn't have. Um, I think like how you channel that, you know, what you use it to empower yourself. You know, instead of feeling negative and dark about that experience, think what could I have do differently or what can I learn from it or how can I help someone else or how can I be better? What can I take from this? Um, And yeah, I do feel like sometimes it's a three ring circus at home with Andrew and my kids and my job and my condo and my this. And sometimes I think, how can I take on one more thing? But then I also realize that, you know, there's a certain balance in my own chaos. Um, Sometimes we find ourselves, you know, like when you're busy, the day goes fast, right? Um, it can be enjoyable. It can be rewarding. And then, you know, when time slows down, sometimes you idle. So I think for me, like staying busy is kind of my outlet, like it makes me smile. It gives me a sense of like, you know, accomplishment. It's like a reward. Um, you know, for the longest time, I've always looked you straight in your eyes. And all I ever see coming out of those eyes is just straight determination. Aww. You know, it's crazy. Yeah, Andrew calls me that my middle name is Relentless. Yeah. (laughs) He says I never have to tattoo, like, your name on my body because I could just tattoo Relentless and we'd be all set. Yeah, I think you're (laughs) one of the strongest people that I know, honestly. Like, mentally, physically, like, I really feel like you're one of the strongest people I've ever known. So we were talking a little bit before we got in here, and you were telling me a little bit about a situation that you got into, and it was a scary one. Yeah, I mean, I had, like, you know, COVID has been a different thing for, like, everybody, and in some ways, it helped me like reset like my life and slow down. Me too. But before we get into that, what's the last two years been like? Let's touch on that real quick before we jump into that. Okay. Well, the last two years have been like like good, like crazy, like ups and downs. And even though you know a hundred years ago there were like you know smallpox and you know 
like rheumatic fever and all these things in our lifetime, we can't conceive it. Like I know I can't. Yeah. I mean, you can tell me about those things that happened a hundred years ago all day long, um, but I can't visualize it because in you know my life, you know, in my my forty three years on this on this planet, I've certainly never seen anything like this. So um, it's been a reset for me in so many ways, so positive. Like I did things like load my kids in the car and put a bike rack on my car and do some trips that I never would have done. But in other ways, you know, there have been some dark times too. I went through a really awful situation that really caused a big reset, but maybe we all need a reset, you know. There was a lot of crime. There's crime everywhere. It's not a New York City thing, you know. There are shootings in the mall in the middle of nowhere. But that being said, you know, I was mugged like in May at gunpoint here and it caused me to do a huge reset, you know, in oh my, my life. God. It was super traumatic. Um, what happened? Um, I was having just like a normal great day with my assistant at work and he was getting engaged. So we were on like a super kind of like high level of euphoria, of excitement. And I went with him to Tiffany's uptown to pick up the ring. And uh, I was with him. And, like, the whole thing was documented. Tiffany's, like, billionaire's row, Tiffany's. Yeah, like Tiffany's. West 57. Yeah, like, West 57. Holy shit, okay. And then we picked up the ring, and we came downtown. And we had, like, the photographer and the flowers all around the fountain in Madison Square Park laid out. And, you know, we had the photographer hiding and half of us hiding. And then, you know, as he walked his soon-to-be fiance through the park and got down on one knee. We all kind of came out. Super exciting, such a special moment. That's so romantic. Be a part of, yeah. you know? Um, one of those times in your life that you get to be a part of with a friend that like you'll remember forever. Um, and then after we went for some dinner and drinks, um, not super late at night, and I was standing in NoHo, one of my favorite neighborhoods um, downtown, and I like told everybody that it was getting late, like I'm talking like eight, eight o'clock at night, late, right. um, that I was gonna head home. I like That does not even sound like you, but okay. <laughs> yeah. No, not super late, which I wish. I wish it was super late. I when wish I was it was doing something you, yeah. rowdy. When I was hanging out with her, getting late was like four in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, I know. Yeah. When I heard eight o'clock, I'm like, okay, eight you know o'clock. I mean? yeah. It's like you come home and your wife's like, where the fuck were you and why did you need to be out well, this late for again, work? This is these are COVID times right. where I don't think anything is open <laughs> past 11 o'clock. This, this is very true. Yeah. true. So again, in uh, in May in COVID days, you know, by 11 o'clock, everybody's at home yeah. and the city has gone dark. We went bar hopping all throughout the East Village, like initially when they allowed the oh. bars, but you had to be outside. Yeah. The problem was, is like, where do you pee? Yeah. Where do you pee? Where are you going? Um, but that being said. Uh, and a lot of stop signs. And a lot of stop signs. <laughs> um and I was sitting, you know, in a neighborhood that I'm so familiar with. Like, I used to live for 12 years across the street in NoHo at the old Carl Fisher Music Building. So it's it's a neighborhood that I always felt very safe in and felt very secure. And I just, like, went outside, more or less, to wait uh, in front of the standard East Village uh, for a car. And I was wearing heels, so decided not to walk, even though it's a very walkable walk for me. Yeah. It's back into the East Village. And um, a guy came out with a gun and like forced me into a car and took me over the Brooklyn Bridge and basically took my jewelry and He thank- took you into a car? He took me by gun into a car. Holy wow. shit. So it was incredibly traumatic and um, 
the whole thing was caught on camera um, at the Standard um, Hotel because they have so much security and camera out there. And then, so they got the license plate. But Wait, slow down. Yeah, it was crazy. Slow down a second. He comes up to you with a gun. Correct. In front of the Standard. Correct. The Standard Hotel. Correct. Okay, that's fucking bananas in itself. Yeah. He gets you to go into a car. Yeah. You go into the car. Was there anyone else in the car or just the two no, of you? No, just the two of us. Okay. So what's going on in the car ride over the Brooklyn Bridge? So what's he saying to you? He's basically just saying, like, give me give me your shit. And I'm trying to not freak out. But, of course, you know, I'm freaking the hell out. Yeah. Um, and he's like, you need to be calm. And What was going on? Were you crying? I mean, I'm just crying. I'm hysterical. You know, I'm like, please, just here's my stuff. Like, let me out. Like, I'm clawing at the door. Like, my fingernails are bleeding from, like, underneath because I'm trying. Like, I'm hysterical, but I want just out. Like, here's my shit. Like, just let me out. Did you just not feel safe, like, screaming for help, like, before he like got you into the car like in front of the standard? I just felt like if I fought, I was in shock, but I also just felt like if I fought at that point, I like did something that made him nervous. Like what if he cuts me or shoots me or hurts me? Like I just thought like it wasn't, it wasn't worth it. I'm just gonna give him what he wants. And then I kept saying like, it's gonna be okay if I just give him what he wants. Right. In hindsight, uh, was he a little guy? Like, are you, were you, could you have kicked his ass? No, uh, no, no. This is like a big dude. So, yeah, this is like a big, big scary dude. So, no, this this was the situation. And, you know, I don't want to get into it like super deep, but like there's some trauma like in my past with my partner. Wait, and, how like, did it end? You have to say how it ended okay. and how you got away. And well, then we don't have to get into the shit. Yeah. I, I need to know that. Well, I think that there's some trauma in my past that is an important component, too. So, like, my partner lost his grandmother and, like, a mugging. So I think that that being said, like, there's no way that, like, your past doesn't bring you to who you are presently. And I think that, like, you know. I love her so much. When you do lose someone or you do have these things in your life, you realize how precious life is. And you also realize that you're not invincible. No matter how strong you are, you're not invincible. You are human. So I just thought, like, these are just material possessions. Like, they can be replaced, but, like, my life can't. And so basically the guy took me over the Brooklyn Bridge. I thought it was going to escalate into something worse. Thank goodness it didn't. Thank God. Um, Oh, God, it's so scary. he let me out of the car, but it was so traumatic getting out of the car that, like, it's kind of like you're in slow motion and you're so scared and you're so – in the moment like freaked out that like I couldn't get away from him fast enough Mm -hmm. and so like I fell down like with the door open fell forward just trying to get out and just getting myself out of the way from the door again like after that as he's like trying to drive away it was so traumatic like I fell down like I skinned my knee I like my knee is like completely cut open and bleeding so he lets me out like in Brooklyn and I'm like underneath, like an uh, so like you a went highway. over the Brooklyn Bridge. I so went over you're the in like downtown Bridge. Brooklyn now, somewhere around there, yeah. like downtown Brooklyn area. They, I fell down, I skinned my knee really bad, so my knee is bleeding. And I don't know Brooklyn. I will say that's honest, 
about me, one thing you should know: I should never sell you any real estate outside Manhattan because you're such I don't a Manhattanite. Know where the hell I'm going? <laughs> you were such a Manhattanite, by the way. I could have been, I could have been like literally in Texas for all I know, and he'd like drop me yeah. off in Brooklyn. Just to cool off, just for a second. I know it's emotional. Yeah. Like I, this is a big part of why I also left for Park Slope, why I moved to Brooklyn, because we were living like in the East Twenties. And it got to the point, and I said this, I believe, when I was talking with Bess, that I literally bought um, two knives. I carried one, and I gave Lauren one because I didn't want her, like, if God forbid, anything to happen. Because during COVID, and even now, there's it, there's a lot of creeps out, and there's so many mentally ill people coming into the subway cars. Just the whole nine, everything is unrecognizable to me still at this point. But I just felt like I'd rather her have something than nothing. And the fact that like I've been living here most of my life, like over 20 years, I couldn't believe, like I couldn't even fathom that I'm literally like buying a knife to like put into my pocket. So in case I ever felt like I needed it walking the dog or, you know, walking home or something happened that I didn't have something to protect myself just in case. So I just think that's pretty nuts. It's nuts that we felt that way, but we moved to Park Slope. It's a really beautiful place, by the way, but go on with your story. I just wanted to give you a chance to... I want to hear all about Park Park Slope and all those charming details and all those windows and all that molding. I want to hear all about it. It's so beautiful, man. It's so beautiful. I love old. All right, so go on. So I basically have this bloody knee. I go like running into the convenience store like a crazy woman. And they like because my leg was bleeding, they like called like, you know, the police, but they also called the paramedics. So from there, they took me to the hospital. And he took everything, your phone, your My bag. phone, my purse, my earrings, my jewelry, all nine, like all of it. And so for I'm, those of you guys that don't know Cherie, like for real, she has the best, most beautiful jewelry. She's always, I, they, you know, her name shouldn't even be Cherie. It should be Freeze because she's always <laughs> frozen. frozen. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, man, it's crazy. But go well, on. Thank you. Um, now she can buy bigger and better. Well, you know, it's just material possessions, and I think yeah. that's what insurance is for. But, you know, like like a shout-out to, like, just our police department that I, I honestly think, like, did treat me very good and did let me know that I did the right thing. And the special crimes unit that has the detectives have worked really hard to, like, find this person. Um, I have to say that that part of it was, like, the silver lining for me. Um, just... The way that they talk to me, like, this isn't your fault. You can't blame yourself. Like, you know, this happens like it happened in a good neighborhood. It happens in good neighborhoods. It happens in bad neighborhoods. Like, you can't don't walk around being scared. Like, you didn't do anything wrong. Like, the way that I would say the response, like, was was really beautiful and really uplifting. And, you know, for someone to choose to do that job and go find these people is is really hard work. And I think that that I'm really thankful for. And I'm really thankful for that we have a city like that. Um, you know, and crime happens everywhere. You know, when this happened, my mom was, like, you know, in Ohio telling me about a recent shooting in the mall. So I think it was important for me to also realize that I can't run from this, you know, I can't move away, I can't, I have to face like kind of like my demons head on, you know, so yeah. to speak. Um, so I think that that was important, you know, um, the recovery to get over this. I mean, it was so scary. I mean, for the next few days after it, I was having this reoccurring dream that like I wasn't alive and I just wanted to wake up and that I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm alive, which is a really weird thing, I think, to go through. 
Um, but it was surreal. I mean, you just keep telling yourself, like, I'm okay, I'm okay. And every time you go to sleep, you're kind of like reliving the moment. And then you wake up and you're like, I'm alive, I'm alive. You know, it's just material possessions yeah. that your life is so important. So what happens next after that? Like, what did you do to help yourself? Um, you know, I've just like worked really hard, like recently on not just getting counseling, which I think people are sometimes ashamed to say, like, I need help or I need to talk to somebody. And I think that it's a beautiful thing, a thing you should be proud of. You know, I think bottling all those things up inside and not dealing with them are, are much worse than saying, like, I need help. And like, even though I'm strong, you know, I want to channel this in, a, in the positive way that yeah, I can I couldn't learn agree from with it. you anymore. You know, I don't know if people know this or not, but I, I think I was in therapy for, I think, seven or eight years. And I personally, my opinion on it is that I think it's a luxury and I think it's uh, so important to be able to communicate and take 45 minutes a week if that's what it is to be utterly selfish and to you know talk about your thoughts talk about your feelings understand them and you know make the adjustments to get yourself to a more positive better place if you're in a negative place um, but I'm so proud of you you know and I commend you for like not letting any ego get in the way and just you know yeah. Allow yourself to be vulnerable and grow from it. And I think also, like, you know, I know you mentioned or touched on that it's a luxury, but I think that, like, like I said at the beginning of this, so many people have trauma, you know, so if it is a luxury or something that you can't afford, take the time, find a support group, find other people that have had traumas in their life that are willing to talk to you about it. Because I think, again, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And I think that. I think the most important thing as a role model that I could ever say to your daughters is that you're not alone and that there are people out there and to not be scared. You know, we all have ups and downs in our lives and have have success and have failures. But, you know, going forward, I think, is the most important thing. And like even for me, like it helped me also focus on professional like things in my life that maybe I wouldn't have either, too, about, you know, important ways to to go forward in my career I think so I think I'm learning something from this um, and also even just going through the process you know like legally with with the whole situation um, the detective before they issued a warrant you know they came to me and it was like a really hard moment to go through even that process because they said like this person has your wallet they have your medical insurance card they like have your address they have a key to your house even if you've rekeyed your house they have your medical insurance card with your kids names on it they have all the stuff so are you sure that you're going to get up in court and testify like against this person and i had to say well even more so how am I going to let this person do this to somebody else, somebody else's daughter, somebody else's sister, somebody else's mother, some other person? How would I live with myself? They still have my information. Like, I can't go on being scared that they're going to come after me and let this happen to someone else, right. no matter Was what. Was there ever a part of you since it happened where you were asking yourself why it might have happened? Yeah, I think that. Like, I went through that blaming phase, which I commend, like, the police especially from telling me that this is happening to, like, so many people, that this is rampant in the city, and, like, you didn't do anything wrong. And, like, yeah, I do. I walk around like the ice queen. Like, I work hard, and I, like, buy myself nice things, and that's the truth, you know? And 
I think it was important for me to also realize that like I can't blame myself for wearing a nice item. I can't blame myself because even the police officer said, listen to me. People go to Canal Street and buy a fake handbag. This guy doesn't have time to look whether it's real Gucci or fake Gucci. They're coming after you. They're robbing you. It is what it is. You can't blame yourself for like why is this happening to me and why was I standing there alone and why did I have a nice designer item on? No, I think what I'm asking is is because you've always found a way to find this seed in any kind of situation where you know that there's some benefit, there's some value out of this seed of negativity. There's something good that comes out of it. So when I was asking you, you know, have you thought about why, like for what purpose, you know, this might have happened and how it, because obviously like it's a near death experience to me, you know, and and it breaks my heart because I didn't know this until now. Um, But I'm wondering, obviously it's going to completely change your mindset and your thoughts and your feelings, especially when, it just gives you an even greater reason to be grateful for Andrew and, and for the kids and for your mom and for your family and, and, and for your life, the value of it. So how has it changed the way you look at life now? I mean, I think that that's so important and that's like a really good point. I mean, I think that like that's the most important point to take is that like I value my life and I feel like I'm I'm so lucky to have this opportunity and like what I do with my life, it's like my choice, you know? Um, so many people like lose their lives like young or pass away or have cancer or have these awful things that happen to them but we're so lucky to like get up and breathe in that air every day and take it and spit it out and you don't want to take it for granted you want to give up get up and live life to the fullest you know Um, did anything change for you like with regards to like slowing down or spending more time with the family or getting to things that you've been meaning to get to that you've kind of been putting on the back burner like has anything like that shifted for you I mean I think that like with COVID in general it it created this um, sense of euphoria for all of us I mean it was kind of like a forced stop Um, so I definitely think that that has played the biggest role you know and doing those things like I mentioned like putting that bike rack on the back of my car like I kept saying like I always wanted to drive up like all the way to P-Town all the way to the tip of Massachusetts and Mm -hmm. like see all the sand dunes and like go all the way up there and then drive my car like down into Nantucket and I kept saying like I'm, I want to do that. I want to drive the whole way. I want to drive my car like onto the barge, onto Nantucket. Like I've been meaning to do it, you know, something little in the back of my mind. But, you know, that force quit of COVID like maybe gave me the time that I never would have had to like do it. So I definitely think that COVID and the experiences have, have definitely shifted and, and changed me in some ways. And, and hopefully for the better, too. I mean, hopefully I learn from all these experiences and hopefully all the other people that are out there that are feeling negative about why certain things have happened to them, you know, over the past couple years, um, hopefully they're able to channel it, you know, in a more positive direction, you know, take something from it, hopefully. Yeah. I guess. What, know, what have you done with COVID besides um, move, move away to Barclay? No, I mean, I, I, I share some of your feelings, you know, and I said this before, I feel like anyone's marriage or anybody's relationship that's living together and kids and that made it through COVID is probably in it for the long run, hopefully, God willingly. 
Um, but the same for us, you know, we were kind of feeling like we we're on top of each other and um, we weren't feeling so safe. And I honestly wanted to move to Brooklyn for like four years. And I kept on asking Lauren, I'm like, yo, listen, let's go check out Brooklyn. I told you to get her a big townhouse like five years ago out there. You know what, man? <laughs> she said to me, no, 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 and no. And then finally, I think she just had had it with like our, you know, our current circumstances and just being downtown and it being the way that it was and she was like fine I'll go look so was that because you wanted to be in the city yeah right because I mean I still, I still need York. to be yeah. in the city but like I've also lived in Manhattan for over 20 years so I just wanted to slow down a little bit and smell the flowers you know what I'm saying yeah. and I feel like Brooklyn does that for me and I think all the good people are in Brooklyn and um so my my wife finally comes to me one day and she's like, all right, I'm open to it. I was fucking floored. I swear <laughs> to God. I'm like, are you serious? She's like, yeah. Immediately, I take her to Williamsburg. I take her to Greenpoint. I took her to downtown Brooklyn, Carroll Gardens, Borough Hill. I showed her everything. We ended up in Park Slope. She's like, I like it here. I was like, I love it here. I love she's it. like, all right, let's do it. And so we got really lucky because it was at a time, it was literally just about a year ago. So they were still giving a lot of incentives. Rent was... Uh, just so discounted. Uh, so we ended up getting an extra bedroom, a lot more space, high ceilings. We took a full floor of a townhouse um, and we left. Um, but we too, we did road trips, like we did Vermont, we did, uh, we go upstate a lot. And so I think there's a part of us for sure, uh, we see ourselves settling down upstate eventually. Um, I definitely want to be there. And, um, you know, a lot of going out, picked up some bad habits along the way. Um, well, if you work hard, sometimes you gotta play hard too. Yeah, I mean, you know that about me, and yeah. I know that about you, so like for me, I, I, I totally feel you, like when you're like, hey look, I want nice things, like I always reward myself after a closing, I always get myself something nice, and I always try to, I always get my girl the same thing, like I always try to match everything that we have, you know, so we're both growing, you know, but um, for me, my, my circle got smaller, um, the people that are in my life are very, uh, valuable and everything to me. Um, I don't go out as much. I don't see as many people. I'm okay with that. Um, I feel much more comfortable with myself. There were there were things about myself that I saw that I didn't like, um, that I wanted to make changes with. I got off of social media for like a year. You're like, how are you reading books? That's how I read all the books that I read. <laughs> Um, but other than that, like, I just, I thank God that like the kids are okay, that Lauren's okay, that there's a roof over our head, health insurance is paid for. So like, I'm super grateful for those things. Meditation's taken a big part of my life. I started meditating a lot. Um, but I'm really sad that I wasn't there for you as a friend because I, we had lunch, I want to say not even a year ago, a year and a half ago. And it was such a good conversation. We had such a nice time and that I didn't know that you went through something uh, so terrible that I couldn't at least, I'm sure I wouldn't have known what to say, but I could have listened. I could have been a good listener for you. Well, so. I think you're always a good listener and you've always been there for me. And that's why we've had such a good camaraderie together. And I think like you're very family oriented and I like respect that so much about you. And I think that we also, you know, we've gone through like, the like working for like, you know, small companies and working for like a big team and we've gone through like, you know, all the trials and tribulations. Yeah. I mean, if anybody after all that doesn't want to get off social media, <laughs> I, I think you'll be there forever. 
Um, but I think it's impressive, and I, I like love the forum that you're like getting out and just talking to people about it. I mean, I think that you have such a way with your words and oh. such a vibe with people. I think it's a really beautiful thing. I think it's people don't do enough of like communicating, you know, with the people that they love and that they care about, or that they have good camaraderie or like a good vibe. Well, with. I just feel blessed that I have you as a friend because I know you're not like this with everyone. But one thing I know about you is like when you love someone, you love the shit out of them. Yeah, I love and there's them. High. Nothing that they can do to make you stop loving them. No. And that's something that's so incredible about you. It's a very, um, you have a very forgiving heart and you have a way of, of just showing somebody how to love. You know, that's what I dig about you. And I think like your clients and I think that your friends and I think that your kids and your family and Andrew and I think everyone who knows that and sees you like that knows, just knows this is who, who you are. They're very lucky to have you. Thank you. Anyone is lucky to have you. I really appreciate that. It means a lot to me. I think it's just so amazing what you're doing. So talk to me more. Let's pivot real quick because you were talking about branding. You were talking about not wanting to box yourself into, you know, being just a broker. Why don't you talk about that a little and yeah. tell me why you've made this decision and how you came to it. I think that, like, you know, like some of the things you go through in, like, life and some of, like, the mistakes you make along the way, I mean, create, like, who you are. And I think it's so important for me. Um, you know, not to overshare, but not to undershare. Uh, also, like, I think that there, you know, are different facets to every every person. I think it's, like, very important not to box yourself in as your career. Um, I think to have an open mind about, like, different things um, is so important. You know, there could be, like, a sport that you're so focused on when, you're, like, you're a young kid, and it's, like, that sport is, like, everything to you. And then it's difficult for you to try other things because, you know, you get so boxed into that one sport and the idea of it. Um, so I think it's like, you know, all these things that I think it's like, you know, evolving and happening. And um, even the counseling that I've gone through is just, you know, not focusing so much on like those negative things or boxing yourself into those particular labels is really being open. I think it makes you more open to a lot of different people, to a lot of different clients, to a lot of different genres of people. And I think that that's really important, too. Um, I don't Do you ever wanna... get exhausted? You know, like when I come home, if I'm being <laughs> like 100% authentic with you, like when I come home after working and showing and, you know, everything that we do, phone calls, text messages, emails, like you feel like you're talking all day, even if you don't see anybody. Um, I don't want to talk to anyone. <laughs> that sounds home. like Sundays after open house. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like I want to go home. I want to see my girls because, you yeah, know, they're your girls. They're your the people. question is, how is your day? And that's a 45-minute conversation each. Yeah. You know what I mean? So... Like, when I go home, I don't want to talk to anyone. Yeah. And, like, I just want to shut off. You, I don't think ever shut off. I think you're just always on. I like I like to be on. I like to do it. Um, recently, um, we were going to upstate. We were going to Woodstock a lot, which I think is a super hip, super cool place. Like, I love it. I just it. went for the first time. We were spending a lot of time in Tannersville. I went uh -huh. to Woodstock. I fucking love it. Woodstock, I felt like I can see love myself with. living there. Yeah, I have like a I romanticize about Woodstock, but then like when I really um, <laughs> when I when I when I when I really press the envelope, so to speak, like up there, I realized that I was kind of missing one thing, and that would be the beach. 
Yeah. Um, so to add, you know, one more thing to my my plate, I bought an old house from 1710 uh, in Madison, Connecticut recently. No way. Yeah, Congratulations. Thank you. And I'm doing a little like um, renovation work on it. So that's a little outlet. And I'm going to put a swimming pool in the backyard. So I'm like working on the design of that. I'm so proud of you. Thank this is you. such great news. When thank did you, you do that? Um, just a few months ago. We closed in August and the house is super old, which I like love. I love that. I love that it's so old. I feel like it has its like own new. little, yeah, it has its own little history that I'm figuring out. Yeah. Um, and I'm playing and tweaking it. But I think that um, there's something beautiful about that because even though it's keeping me so busy and I've added one more thing to the plate, um, it's given me time, like even if it's cold, to like walk to the beach and sit and kind of think and meditate and take that like quiet moment, like you know, to just not talk <laughs> or not do something. Um, but I, also, I'm gonna have to say, I think you, I think you've changed a little bit. You know, like I think so far, just sitting here with you for the last however long we've been sitting here, I see someone who's feeling a little bit peaceful. Yeah, I think it's definitely helped me uh, take it down a notch. And I think we forget like how lucky we are with New York. Um, whether it is like Brooklyn or whether it is like Woodstock or Connecticut or, you know, the Hamptons for some people, whatever you're looking for. We're really lucky to have such topography, you know, whether it's trying to take your kids to like rock climbing or to like like a ski hill or to a beach. Um, you know, even we we're so lucky to have such a big you know, city on top of this topography that surrounds it on the exterior that like very few people can get to a mountain or a beach um, within less than two hours. Mm. So it's just one more thing to remind myself like how lucky I am every day to be here. How long do you see yourself like in real estate? Like do you see yourself working as a broker for a really long time or is there is there an end goal for you? Like a point where you're just like, you know what, I, I did this, I wanna move into something no, else? I don't know, I love what I do so much. I mean, I just can't imagine not doing it. It's like I look forward to like waking up and sure we all have bad days. Sure we all have clients that we just like wanna hide under the sofa from, you know, I mean, we wouldn't be reality. <laughs> yeah, but she's also good like that. Like when I have clients like that, like the ones that I want to hide under a sofa yeah. from, you know, I've gotten a lot better, but I used to get really anxious about it because I just, yeah. because you know what direction it's going to go in. You know the shit that you have to say to like de-escalate the situation when it's probably not even a real situation. They're yeah. just making a situation out of nothing <laughs> most of the time, which is fucking annoying. But like even that way, she carries herself in such a manner where if she, if there's a client that's calling you like off the hook like five six times, you know they're erratic, you know they're angry, you know nothing good is going to come out of the conversation. This is what I love about you: you just won't pick up. Well, you have to slow it down to a moment, and then you have to like reset, and then you have to tell them calmly, like, "Listen, nobody lost an arm or a leg. I'm not a brain surgeon, all right? I sell stuff here. I sell luxury stuff here, and I know it's really important, and I know it's probably the biggest purchase of your life. But again, nobody lost an arm or a leg, and I'm definitely not a brain surgeon here. So let's backtrack and like work through this. But sometimes, sometimes you have to pause for yourself, and you have to pause to give them a moment to pause to think about: Do they really want? to say all the things that they want to say. And I think people take it so personal. It's their home. You know, people want feedback so much, and then if somebody doesn't like it, then they want to hang on the phone with you to defend, like, well, this has three windows, and it has better light, and it's better than every, like, 
it doesn't change the fact. It's just not for them. Yeah. So again, these are like such small details. It you know, but people get really amped up. They take it so personal when it's not going their direction or they're not getting an at ask offer or above ask or it's not happening quickly, quickly, quickly in yeah. a New York minute. But sometimes so, so do you feel like you're a diffuser? <laughs> like, yeah. like in, in basically any situation, you, yeah. you, you don't get involved or get offended. You look to, like, how do I diffuse this and get this? Yeah, a huge diffuser. Yeah, you don't take anything personal. She's a no. professional. No, you She's can't. like the NFL of real estate brokers. You can't. But I also sometimes steer away from, like, telling people to, like, over-whitewash their house, too, because I think that, like, it is personal and someone's going to buy it and like paint over it. And, you know, it's important to have a clean space and good lighting. But like I don't go in and tell people to like renovate their house before they sell it because the person that's going to come there is going to want to renovate it and make it their own. So right. we're, we're kind of spinning our wheels here. Yeah. But, yeah, I think you have to be kind of a diffuser. <laughs> so let me ask you this. Let it roll off your back. What do you want to do with your brand? Like where, you know, like what are you looking to do? What is... Cherie Henson's brand. I mean, I think that I'm just like looking to create personal relationships with people and not like one specific type of person. I think that like I see a lot of people like really box themselves in with, you know, maybe like like, you know, focusing like on, you know, only a mommy group or only a this group or only a that group. And I think that I don't want to be like that. Like I don't want to I don't want people to see me as you know, just a mom or just a friend or just a person doing like business and heels. Like I really want to think outside the box. I want, I want accessibility for myself to a lot of different people. And I think that that's like so important. And I also think that like no deal is so important that I have to like run someone over or cut someone off when it comes to my colleague. You know, mm -hmm. I don't think that like I want that persona either. So I think it's important to like really slow down and really enjoy my job and really enjoy it with a lot of different people. Um, and I really think that, you know, that's important as a brand. I mean, I think to love what you do, no matter what it is, to take pride in it. Um, and just, you know, to, to not make it like a small thing and to not make it so about like me. Um, I want to make it about the people that I can help. And, like, finding a home is a very personal thing. And hopefully I get to find them, like, five homes over the course of their life, not just one, to mm -hmm. build that personal connection in the relationship. And I would rather have less clients um, and spend more time with them doing comps and, like, really getting to know them and really getting to know their needs rather than to kind of, like, rush through it. Yeah, how much of your business is, like, your personal circle of influence um a lot of it i would say even i had a record-breaking year in 20 2021 and when i really evaluated the people that i did deals with it was a lot of the same people that i've already done a deal with mm -hmm. um, a lot of people i was on their second third or fourth transaction with or um i don't know if you remember that like really big crazy like rental that i had in the west village that I do remember that. I, I came to look at that yeah, for a client. I sold that apartment this past year. You told me that. That's yeah, amazing. Congratulations. That's a big ass apartment. Man. Yeah, that was a was nice a, spot. It was a big ass apartment. A really, a really famous pro athlete rented it for a long time. For a long wait, time. wait, wait. But you have to tell us about that apartment. <laughs> okay. Well, um, 
Kevin and Brandy Garnett rented it um, for a long time. You can say that now, right? Yeah, I think I can say that now. <laughs> it was a long time ago, so hopefully I'm not going to get in trouble for that. But uh, they called it home. Uh, it's in the West Village. It's in a great neighborhood. It was three-story duplex, um, like wow. over 6,000 wow. square feet wow. in Manhattan of just beautiful like space. Um, I think they seem to really love it because they could kind of let on on the small street like a car idle like in front of the building, and it didn't have it wasn't on that bu- busy street and didn't have all these doorman and bell like and whistles and all this stuff. It was really kind of quiet and hidden and private, almost like a townhouse, but without having to you know maintain the stoop super or something. Key, super elegant. low key, That's but so just much better. I remember the space. clients I bought over there now. She was an art dealer from Cali and they were moving to New York. Yeah. I remember so that now. I feel like it was such a cool thing. It was something I kind of looked to having in my book of business. Um I don't do a lot of rentals anymore. Um not because I'm not capable and I'm unwilling, just because, you know, I've been so focused on sales and repeat sales. Um, but for years, I kind of had this like this apartment, this big, beautiful monstrosity apartment. And most people would rent it, call it home for two or three years. But every couple of years, I would look forward like re-renting it again. And it had been in my portfolio, I think, yeah, for a long time. But also this rental apartment that she's talking about that she sold, like the rental amount for this apartment for each time she rented it, the commission amount was the same as almost the sale amount wow. every time. You yeah, know so wow, he's yeah. right. He's right. So like, it's like she sold the apartment over and over. It's kind of like I sold it. the apartment right, 10 right, times right, and then right, really right. sold it. And then right, took the big payday right, at the right, end. Right, right. Wow, wow. Yeah, so, so she's a beast. Yeah. I love what I do, though. Like I said, what nosy girl doesn't want to see inside your house? Yeah. <laughs> I'm headed over. <laughs> Check out your closet. <laughs> but that's the thing, you know. It's just so wild. You know, yeah. it's so wild. It's been a great ride. I mean, I feel, like, very lucky and I feel very privileged. But I've also, like, worked hard to, like, get where I am. I mean, mm-hmm. there's no free lunches. I, you know, I think it's important to tell your girls that, you know. Um tell my little one like little things whether it's vacuuming or making his bed or doing chores and it's so important I don't think that he loves it but I think it's part of life I mean I really think it's an important aspect of life to be a doer and to to work and to find pleasure and 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 you know was anyone in your family like that like you know like a go-getter like that or were you born like that (laughs) no I think that my mom was like such a great role model and such an inspiration and such a beautiful lady with such an amazing career Um, and she's worked really hard and over the last few years I mean even in her 70s watching her retire was really hard and it was only because of breast cancer that really forced her to retire and stop working Um, and I think that was hard you know for me to watch but I look every day you know that like I'm just lucky to like inhale and exhale, you know, to be here, to be part of this podcast today, to to be on this planet, to to be here. So I'm just really thankful for that and thankful for you having me on your show. And Are you kidding me? I'm so grateful that you made time and you've been such a good friend of me and you're one of the great ones. Oh, and I feel you. lucky that, you know, you're part of my life and you're someone that I can look to and someone that I want to emulate for my work, for my business and just as a person, as a human being, you know, like you're awesome. Thank you. You'll always be awesome to me. I'll always be crazy about you and I'll always be your friend and I'll always be here for you. And I know that Mm -hmm. you'll do all those things for me. I know. I like you have been and you have been like such an important component in my life. Always positivity breeds that positivity and like finding those positive people to be around is so important too. I know we don't talk all the time, but I feel as though when we do hook up and we do get together, whether it's a lunch or something like this, I always feel like 
no time has gone by. Like, I don't feel like, you know, like you're not my friend or that oh, I don't feel no. close to I, you. I like was like riding that. my bike in the East Village and I heard somebody yell my name and I was so happy to turn day? around. It was like, you pick up where you Dude, left I off. I moved there because of you. Right. You know what I'm saying? And this is the last thing I'm going to leave it on because I'm going to, we'll call it a day, but I just want you to know, like when you work with Cherie, I want you all to know something. It's not just like she's just showing you the apartment. She not only will show you the apartment, she'll also show you the location. She'll show you every hot restaurant. She'll show you every <laughs> hot bar. She'll show you every coffee shop. She'll show you the best ATM. She'll tell you the best time to leave to catch an Uber. She'll tell you the best time to get uptown or downtown from that location. Like She does it all. And I literally fell in love with the East Village because of her. She showed me all of these dope spots. I mean, she took... You were probably like, I, I had no clue that this was even here. I right? never know. She always takes me to the hot spot. She takes you to like the hottest spots and you don't even know it's the hottest spot. So like she takes you there and you're like, you feel grateful and you're like happy that you're there with her. But then you also feel like an asshole because you're like, damn, how do I not know about this place and she does like she's always first to know she knows it before the people who are going to open up a fucking establishment know it so having said that if people want to reach out and they want to learn more about you um how can they find you um well i work for sotheby's um and there's shreehinson.com so that's a pretty easy one and um i think you can pretty much find me at Sheree.Henson on Instagram, uh, Sheree.Henson.com, uh, Sheree.Henson at Sotheby'sHolmes.com. Um, I'm pretty accessible. Um, my cell phone's like, unfortunately or fortunately online, but I think when you're a broker and you're selling things, people have to be able to call you. And if you're a neighborhood broker, they should be able to call you. Bam. There you have it. it. And if you guys want to reach out to me, I have a public account called Nasty Podcast. It's probably not going to get popular until after I drop this season. I was gone for a year. I do have a private account, but you can't have it. So fuck that. Uh, Lee, any last words before we part ways? Yeah, this amazing podcast series is being done at Jambox Entertainment. And that is at Jambox Entertainment. Anything on social media. If you don't know, now you know. Now you know. Later. <laughs> Bye. Thank All right, you. we're out.